Does cybersecurity seem like a terrifying topic? Well, have no fear. This episode is sponsored by Roundtable Technology, the nonprofit IT partner. And for the seventh year in a row, they're offering a free webinar to teach you and your staff exactly the steps to make your IT more secure in the new year. Roundtable Technology is a managed IT and cybersecurity services organization focusing almost exclusively on the nonprofit sector with over 200 nonprofit clients. So make it your New Year's resolution to get your entire staff free cybersecurity awareness training. Head on over to nonprofitit.com forward slash best dash ever to save your seat now. And here's to a wonderful 2023. Hello, and welcome to Nonprofit Nation. I'm your host, Julia Campbell, and I'm going to sit down with nonprofit industry experts, fundraisers, marketers, and everyone in between to get real and discuss what it takes to build that movement that you've been dreaming of. I created the Nonprofit Nation podcast to share practical wisdom and strategies to help you confidently find your voice, definitively grow your audience, and effectively build your movement. If you're a nonprofit newbie or an experienced professional who's looking to get more visibility, reach more people, and create even more impact, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Welcome back to Nonprofit Nation. I'm so happy to be with you in today in your earbuds, in your car, wherever you're listening. I am your host, Julia Campbell, and today we are going to talk about one of my favorite topics. So I am known to teach the tactics and tips and strategies around social media marketing, but today we're going to talk about email marketing, which I believe is just as important, if not maybe more important, with all of the volatility and disruption going on in the social media sector. So my guest today is an email marketing expert. Jess Campbell is the founder of Out in the Boons, a small shop helping fundraisers raise more money online and in person. She's been a nonprofit fundraiser for 18 years, and she's raised over $17 million, working from New York to California in organizations big and small. She's also the founder of the Raise More Together Summit, which to date has educated more than 3,000 nonprofit leaders and fundraisers. Jess, it's been a long time coming. My Jess Campbell, my JC. <laughs> I know your fellow JC. I was thinking that too. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk about this. Yay. All right. Well, how did you, first of all, how did you get into nonprofit work? And tell me a little bit about what you do now with your clients. Absolutely. Like a lot of people, I fell into this work. I was in college in Boulder, had an opportunity to volunteer with a nonprofit. Little did I know I was walking into the first volunteer training ever for this amazing nonprofit called There With Care based in Boulder that has now expanded to serving over 100,000 families. And I became, long story short, became their first paid employee and did a little bit of everything from volunteer management to marketing, to deliveries, to fundraising. And that really set me on my path to working with nonprofits in a storytelling capacity. That is where I shine. And I've worked for organizations, like you said, at the top, big and small huge machines of organizations like Human Rights Watch to itty bitty tiny startups. 
And then I now have a six-year-old. And so it seems long, long ago, but when she arrived, I had a total professional freak out and the life, as you know, from, I know your story of working in house where you're starting your day with coffee meetings and ending your day with, you know, dinner with donors just wasn't a fit for our lifestyle anymore. And I took a pause before sending off an email to become a nonprofit consultant. And today I work with nonprofits, educating them on how to raise more money in person and online. And it's been so fun because I just never want a nonprofit fundraiser to feel like they're off on an island or out in the boons where my company name came from. I want them to feel supported, mentored, educated, and informed. And that's what I'm working to do today. I love that. So let's talk about email marketing. Why the focus on helping nonprofits grow their email list? Right. I know so many people that come to me, it's all about social. And I know. And is email dead? I know. I hate that question. Obviously it's not. (laughs) I just read your email newsletter today. Absolutely not. It's my favorite channel to use as a marketing tool. And I think the reason why I like email so much is because people have actually actively invited you into their space. When they join your email list, they have said, yes, you get to be here versus on social media where you're scrolling up and down your feeds. You might follow someone, but it's not the same as the invitation of opting into an email the way that it works in your inbox. And so people in my experience are just more present. They read top to bottom. It's not this scroll thing. Yes, they could choose to delete the email or archive the email, but if someone opens your email, they're likely reading it. And then hopefully with what we talk about today, we can get them to actually convert by clicking over to do something. I'll also say that Email converts at five times better than social. Social is just really hard. I mean, you know, I know the algorithm is just brutal. And so it's just a really nice way to get people who want to pay attention to your words and your work to read what you have to say. So you really walk the walk here because I read on your website, you helped the Tender Foundation raise over $10,000. And when they found you, their email list was non-existent. So maybe you can give us some some ways you helped them. And I also want it, maybe it, it sort of coincides with your top four ways to grow your, your email list. Absolutely. So I love Tender Foundation, which if you're not familiar, they are a startup nonprofit based in Atlanta. They provide financial gap assistance to single black mothers in Atlanta, you know, providing rental assistance or grocery support, diaper delivery, that kind of thing. And Jacina, their founder is amazing. And she's actually an influencer. And so she has quite a large following on specifically Instagram. And so when Tender came to me, they had, you know, 2,500 Instagram followers, but almost no one on their email list. And unfortunately today, I think it's less than 6% of your followers will actually see your content. And so it was really important before we started raising money to build an email list, because as I just mentioned, email converts so much better than social media. And so one of the things that we did and what I recommend anyone who's just starting an email list to do is to just try and convert your social media followers over to email. Because again, nine times out of 10, what you post on social, your followers won't even see. And so to reinforce that 
people don't know that. And I always say to people that are concerned about hitting people with the same message twice, people aren't going to see the same message twice and be like, Oh, I already read that. They're going to be, it's going to be a one, two punch. It's going to be a reinforcement of the message. And so I always encourage my clients to whatever they email about post the same type of content on social media the same day or within 24 hours. And so for Tender, it was really about getting people to convert from just follow us on Instagram to let us show up in your inbox. The trick is no one wants to join another newsletter. That's right. (laughs) Join my email list. No, that is not exciting, enticing at all. And so what we would do is we would maybe tell a story of a mom, but we would say, to read the rest of her story, you know, sign up for our email list where we share a story a week or something like that. Or if you know a mom who needs resources in Atlanta, you know, sign up here where we distribute information or something. You have to kind of hook people with something more than sign up for my email list because no one wants to be on yet another email list. Should I keep going? Yeah, keep going. So let's just recap the first two. Bring social media followers over to your email list and don't just say, especially on your website or wherever you're trying to cultivate people and grow your list, join our email list, hook people, give them a reason to subscribe. Okay. Starting there, you'll be, you'll be so good. The other thing I think people can do is create some sort of virtual, easy, casual, event. And I'm using quotes as we talk where the price of admission is an email address. Yes. I always say nothing. There's no such thing as free lunch and that goes for nonprofits too. And so a lot of times people I think are like, Oh, people are so busy. No one's going to want to come to that. And it's like, you don't really know until you put it out there and try. And one of the things that I think nonprofit leaders and fundraisers underestimate is getting face-to-face time with people who are on the program side of your organization, on the leadership side, who can kind of say, hey, this is what we've done over the last six months, and this is where we aim to go over the next six months. And this is how you can be a part of that, or you can share a story from someone who's in your program. But again, to come to that event requires someone opting in to that event. And then you take that list of names and put it on your email address. One of my students, it's the name of the organization is Sansar Maya, and they work with people in Nepal on things like education, job training, um, healthcare. And in Nepal, meditation and yoga is, is a big part of their culture. And so they hosted a guided meditation event for their followers. But again, the price of admission was an email address. You had to opt in. And so even if they only had like 20 people show up live and maybe they had 40 people register, that's 40 new emails that they can now cultivate and warm up, steward, and then ask when it comes time to, you know, for example, run their end of year campaign. So that's another really great tip for people wanting to get started. I love that. So a casual, easy event where price is an email. And I love what you said about not assuming that people wouldn't come or that people wouldn't give you their email. You can't ever assume their behavior. A hundred percent. I mean, 
I think too, sometimes it's not about them actually coming. It's about the touch point that you have where you're reaching out and checking in. You're offering them something of value and you're not necessarily asking them for money. And so I always say that's the cherry on top if they actually attend, but it's more about the practice of having a touch point. That's really important there. So I know growing our email list is, is very important, but I want to talk about getting more of our emails opened and clicked on or open, delivered and clicked on. Because I think, I don't know if nonprofits focus enough on open rates and increasing deliverability or, or really trying to get people to take action. I think they just send it because they feel like they have to. So what are some of your tips around that? Okay. I'll take a deep breath because I could talk about this for days. <laughs> Each of these topics could be like a three hour workshop. I know this is, this honestly though is so fun for me. So one of the things that I think nonprofits off the top get super wrong is that they're very inconsistent with their email. And so if people are like, I won't name them, but I have a nonprofit that I follow. I'm obsessed with them. I'm obsessed with their mission, their leader. They're awesome. And I'm like, if they would just do email consistently, it would like probably 10 X their revenue. And they are very sporadic with their email. And what happens with that is that the deliverability goes down because email is like a muscle. And so when you first start sending emails from say MailChimp or Constant Contact or whatever you might use at your organization, it's just going to take some time to strengthen that. Like it's like an invisible band to show up in people's inboxes. And so my number one tip is to pick a cadence and then stick to it. So if that's once a month, do once a month. If that's once a week, do once a week. But for me in my business, I email my list one to two times a week, come hell or high water. That doesn't matter if it's a vacation. That doesn't matter if it's the holidays. You are getting a touch point for me. And that's just the way it's been. And now my email is super duper healthy. So pick your cadence and stick to it. That's number one. The number two thing that I would say that nonprofits get really, really wrong is they try and cram every single thing under the sun that's ever happening in their organization into one email. And there is this, there's actually a book called the choice paradox, which breaks down this, not a theory, but a a real practice that when people are presented with too many options, they actually take no action versus if you just drive people to do one thing at a time, they will click on that one thing. They will read that one thing. And so rather than having kind of like a highlight reel where you put everything in one place, I really lean on storytelling that then directs people to click over for more information. For example, you might tell a story of someone in your program, and then you might say, to read more, click over to our blog, or to read more, read this Instagram post, or follow us on Instagram, or read this story, and then that might lead to sign up for this or that or the other. And the reason why I encourage people to practice this one story, one click method is because what you're trying to do is train your email list to read and click, read and click, read and click so that when you use email to recruit donations, it's not the first time they've ever practiced this. They've practiced reading and clicking hopefully over to your donation page. And so if you have so much content that you're like, I can't just put one thing in an email 
send more emails, you know, instead of doing one email a month, break that up into three or four. And that way you can still tell everything, but practicing that one story, one click, one story, one click method is really, really important. I can keep going. (laughs) Yeah. Keep going. Keep going. I love it. So another thing about deliverability that nonprofits I see get really wrong is putting a bunch of images in their email. Images are really hard to get into inboxes, to load up on phones. And it's the maybe one moment where a picture is not worth a thousand words. I think the stat is 52% text-based emails are read and convert 52% more than ones with images. And so that stat alone, I think that nonprofits should try at a baseline. Like if you're, if you're putting five or six images in an email now and dropping down to zero would be shocking. Try going from five or six to one or two, and then just one and then none. That will really, really help put your email in people's inboxes, not in their spam folders, um, as well as load up on phones and get opened and clicked. So that's another tip. I think that what nonprofits tend to get wrong is that they're so used to the days of the print newsletter and then just kind of recreating this print newsletter onto an email. And I remember when I was first doing email marketing, I used constant contact like millions of years ago. And the constant contact templates were designed to do that. So it was designed to have, you know, five different stories and 30 links and 50 images and all of this. And I think that's where we became trained that that's what a professional email newsletter looks like. When in reality, just like you said, it really affects deliverability. And if people are given too many choices, the choice they're going to take is to, is inaction. <laughs> and I think it's important to remember that things like constant contact and MailChimp and a jajillion other email service providers, they were built for for-profit businesses, not for nonprofits. And the way that we market to our audiences is different. And so copying what we see out in the marketing world is, it needs to be adopted. And I just know from practice um, of running dozens and dozens of online campaigns for nonprofits, as well as running things in my own business, that the multi-image, multi-section, multi-click point emails perform significantly lower than ones that are text-based with one call to action. Absolutely. We almost have to like retrain ourselves. So another question that I wanted to ask, I get it pretty frequently. You touched on it a little bit, but maybe we can talk about it more. How many emails should nonprofits send um, and how frequently? I think this really depends on what you can commit to. So as I said, you have to decide what's going to work for you and your nonprofit. It would never work for me to say, you know, you have to send an email a week because maybe that's too much for your audience, or maybe it will take six or 12 months to build up to doing that. I also think it depends on your capacity. So if you're all fired up and ready to go, I'm going to do one email a week and then you only last through January, 2023, sticking to that cadence and then things get busy and then people don't hear from you for three months. You know, I wish then you would have done something more realistic. 
So I think that it really depends on your capacity and what cadence you can stick to. And then it, when you do that, it becomes a habit. And then once you do it as a habit for a good number of time, then you might want to consider turning up the dial a little bit. So it's hard for me to tell a nonprofit what they can do. It's best for them to decide themselves. But my kind of minimum for an organization of any size is one email a month. That would be my absolute minimum with working up to like once a week would be my preferred. I always say that it's like exercise. It's like you just said, if you commit to a program where you're going to go to the gym seven days a week and run (laughs) seven days a week and then you've never done any exercise before, you are setting yourself up for failure and discouragement and you don't want to do that. And what you really want to do is, like you said, work up to a cadence that you can be comfortable with. Now, here is a very common objection. I'm sure you hear it all the time. If we email too much, we're going to get too many unsubscribes. What is your, what's your answer to that? Okay. I love this question because I am actively working to emailing my list three times a week. That's my goal for 2023. Do you email three times a week? I honestly wouldn't think that. And you know what? That just goes to show you're not annoying me. I'm not annoyed by it. I don't think I even noticed it. So I'm not doing three times a week yet, but that I do two times a week. And my goal is three in the new year. I don't know when this is coming out, but in 2023, if you're on my email list, but I always say to people like, I get those bed, bath and beyond emails or those anthropology emails in my inbox every single day, if not multiple times a day. And do I ever unsubscribe from their list? No, I do not. Cause we want the coupons. <laughs> we want the coupon or, or it's just, it's become so familiar that it's normal for us. Until to your point, you have the day where you go shopping and you're like, oh, well, I'll just go to the recent one, right? So in my experience, in 2021, I was emailing my list once a week, and then I've committed to doing it twice a week in 2022. And my email open rates have gone from like 32% to anywhere from like 42 up to 51%. I get great click rates. I get replies all the time. And people tell me, all the time that they look forward to my emails. I mean, even before we started recording, you were like, I read your email today. And I think that if people are going to unsubscribe, they're going to unsubscribe. If you do once a week, once a quarter, or it doesn't matter, they're just not your people. And you need to either not look at those numbers or you need to just let it roll off your back because those aren't your people anyways. And they're doing you a favor by scrubbing your list without you having to put them through like a series to see if they actually want to be there. I agree. I think that if people don't want to be on your list, it's so hard for us as marketers not to take that personally, but it's not a reflection on you as a marketer. And I was actually talking to Steven Screen about this the other day because he really tries to encourage nonprofits to communicate like at least two times as much as they do. And that's the number one objection is they're going to unsubscribe. They're going to hate me They're I'm going to get a complaint. I'm going to get a negative email back. And I think, you know, that's kind of the, the price of doing business. Like if you're putting your voice out there and you're saying something important, not everyone's going to agree with it. And you are going, you know, you're going to get those unsubscribes. And I think the important piece of that is, and what I try to tell myself when I get unsubscribes is that at least people are reading. At least they're opening it and reading it. (laughs) 
Absolutely. And I think in nonprofit marketing and fundraising across the board, there's this real fear of rejection that holds people back from so, so much. And I'll just tell you again, I don't know when this podcast is coming out, but this end of year giving season is going to be an uphill climb compared to years past. And to combat that, I am doubling what my clients do this year in, in terms of email. So if in the past we would have sent four emails, we're sending eight. And I just know that the person that is the most visible is the one that's going to win the race. And I'm not going to hold back out of fear of someone unsubscribing because they're not ever going to be my donor anyways. Oh, so good. So, so good. So what metrics should we be looking at to determine email success? Yeah, this one's a little tricky because with the iOS updates and everything, the numbers that you're actually even seeing in your email service provider are probably inaccurate. But that being said, I keep a spreadsheet where I track every single email's open rate, click rate, and unsubscribe rate. And the reason why I do that is because I like to see, you know, based on subject line, what people are opening and what people are clicking on. Another thing that I encourage people and my clients to do in their emails is to say, you know, if we're telling a story or there's a call to action, sometimes is to hit reply where people reply to your email. That's something you can do to actually strengthen your email deliverability. And sometimes I'll get, you know, 15, 20 replies from people that day. And that's fantastic because that's a way for you to enter into a dialogue with now your, your online community and answer questions or go back and forth. And that could lead to a coffee chat or a donation, who knows, right? So I would also say to be, if you're asking a hit reply type of question, are people actually hitting reply and telling you their answer? And that's another good thing to check, to just see if they are in fact opening, reading, clicking. Exactly. And to see over time, maybe sort of what's trending, you know, there could be times that affect email open rates like election or year end or holidays or things out of your control. Um, But I love that idea. Like always just be measuring and iterating and tweaking and seeing what you can do better. I was just going to say, I think it's also... Nonprofits tend to market in like what I call billboard style. Oh my gosh, totally. Where they're just shining a light on the work that they're doing. And I would encourage you to sit down with either your own thoughts or your team or your board members and think forward 60 or 90 days about what could be timely. So at the time of this conversation, some of the things that are coming up for me are like, I always do a gift guide. So are you perhaps a dog rescue? Could you round up all of your favorite dog products and put them out in a gift guide that could be really beneficial to your dog loving audience? That's one idea. Or for example, I'm thinking about, I always put out a people I'm, a, I'm paying attention to blog post and email at the top of the year. So is there, you know, if you're in the foster care space, are there any leaders or change makers or organizations doing fantastic work? Could you do a roundup of people and talk about that in your email? It doesn't always have to be about you. It should be thinking what can provide value 
to your audience. So they will look forward to the next email and the next email because they know that you're not just going to be like shouting out all the things that you do all the time. It will be about what is interesting to them. Exactly. I think about an organization that I love called A Mighty Girl, and they're always sharing book recommendations for the summer. They're sharing Halloween costumes for a mighty girl that, you know, is not like a sexy police officer for a 10 year old or whatever it is. You have a six year old. I'm not sure the gender, but like whatever the Halloween costumes is, it's either muscles or sexy cheerleader. Those are kind of the options. So they share a Halloween guide. They share, you know, holiday gift guide. They share conversation talking points to talk about with your kids over Thanksgiving or over the holidays. And it's always that value add. So I love that idea. I think, I think we sell ourselves short. Nonprofits sell themselves short and they feel like maybe they don't have enough to offer, but if we operate like that, people are going to look forward to opening our emails and it's going to seem more like a two way street rather than just us pushing up promotions. A billion percent. And I think that, you know, a lot of organizations are timid around rocking boats, around controversial issues. And there's a, what's the saying, a line to tow, to tow the line. But, you know, you could have put out something, we just had an election. So, you know, is there things related to your organization or how to talk to your kids about voting or participating in democracy? Like, and I'll just say that, whenever I email or post about anything that's quote unquote more controversial, I get the most replies, the most opens, the most clicks. Yes, I might get the most unsubscribes, but the most engagement. And so it pushes me to have an opinion and like take a stance on things that are important to me. Because again, people have invited me into their inbox. So I'm not going to shy away from that either. And we've talked about this before. I remember emailing you. I don't know if it was right around the time of the Black Lives Matter movement being really strong, like right in the middle of 2020. But I remember emailing you and saying, because I said sent an email and got major pushback from it. But then I also got a lot of people saying they appreciated me speaking out. And I speak out all the time. So I actually don't remember which topic it was about. And my listeners know that too. But I really appreciate that. I think that we don't want to be provocative for the sake of being provocative, but we work on really tough issues and we have to stand up for the people that we're serving and we have to shed light on these issues. Like we can't shy away from the fact that these things are happening in our community. And yes, it might make some people uncomfortable, but you know, we're not here really to make people comfortable. Like we're here to solve problems. That's kind of how I feel. We're here to make change in the world. So I think that's a fantastic point. Thousand percent. Agree, agree, agree. Yay. All right. Well, we're coming up to time. I want to make sure that I ask you some of your favorite email platforms for nonprofits. Okay. So my favorite email platform is a tool called Flowdesk. That's what I personally use. I will be honest, when I first started my business about five or six years ago, I spent 48 hours in a migraine trying to figure out MailChimp. And luckily I was gifted information about Flowdesk and use that to this day. It is a newer email platform. So it doesn't have every single thing that you would probably want in an email. But if you're just looking for something really simple, easy, intuitive, beautiful, affordable, 
um, Flowdesk is a really, really great option. Otherwise, my clients use everything from like the email system provided in their CRMs to MailChimp is a really common one. Sometimes I get constant contact. For the more advanced marketers out there who are doing complicated funnels and different things like that, Active Campaign is probably your best bet. That's great. I use ConvertKit, which is not necessarily, you know, it's probably more bells and whistles than maybe a lot of nonprofits want, but there are a lot of different platforms out there. So where can people find you? Where can they sign up for your email list and learn more about you? Yes. So you can come find me at outintheboons.me. Instagram is my favorite social media place to hang out. I'm at outintheboons underscore. Sometimes I hang out on LinkedIn, but not as frequently. So one of those three places is probably best. Okay. All right. Thank you so much for being on the show today. You've given a lot of food for thought for our podcast listeners. Yes. Happy emailing to everyone. Send more email. Yes. Send more email. Don't be worried about your unsubscribe rates. Be brave, be bold, and sign up for Jess's email list and you won't regret it. So thanks again for being on the podcast. Well, hey there. I wanted to say thank you for tuning into my show and for listening all the way to the end. If you really enjoyed today's conversation, make sure to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app, and you'll get new episodes downloaded as soon as they come out. I would love if you left me a rating or a review because this tells other people that my podcast is worth listening to. And then me and my guests can reach even more earbuds and create even more impact. So that's pretty much it. I'll be back soon with a brand new episode, but until then you can find me on Instagram at Julia Campbell, seven, seven, keep changing the world. You nonprofit unicorn. Thank you.